Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceilings does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. This is a brand new episode of the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita, broadcasting once again south of the border from the cloudy and rainy Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, which has been getting been getting a lot more rain down here lately. I think we're starting to get into the... Uh, the, the deeper parts of the rain season here, I think um, August and September are usually the, the rainiest. And we are uh, more than halfway through August now. I um, originally hadn't planned on staying here that long, but ended up extending some, some uh, travel plans for my companions changed and we ended up staying until Monday. So Monday is going to be a travel day for me. On the 24th, I will be heading back to Chicago, unfortunately. At least that's the plan for right now. And I was planning on taking this week just completely off, not doing any work, not doing any podcasting. Um, but I, I had some downtime today, and I didn't realize, and apparently a lot of other people didn't realize as well, that it was the the Democratic National Convention week. So I, I thought I would try to do some coverage on that. It's Wednesday right now. And I think what I'm going to do is maybe record two separate things, part of part of this episode today and part of it tomorrow, because tonight is apparently, you know, the, the grand finale of the DNC uh, convention. Yeah, so they're having like Obama talk and, and maybe Biden is going to try to get through a few sentences or something like that. So yeah, there's just been a, a couple things on my mind, not necessarily political things, but I did want to uh, touch on the what I've seen of the convention coverage so far, a couple thoughts I had on that, and then I'll follow up tomorrow after the uh, the grand finale and, you know, um, the savior comes to save his former uh, vice president in Joe Biden. So Anyway, the uh, man, the last uh, few days for me have just been fantastic. I, uh, I took Friday off. I, I don't know. All these days are s- sort of blending together, but I did some spearfishing for the first time, and uh, that was pretty fun. I might have already mentioned that on the last podcast. I can't remember, man. Every day here is, is like running into the next. But um, then the, uh, the, the guy that took us out spearfishing was kind of a funny story the way we met him. We ended up kind of becoming fairly good friends over the course of the day or whatever. And he took us out to a, uh, a waterfall outside of town here and uh, did some cliff diving with him, which was probably pretty stupid <laughs> looking back at it. It was uh, pretty horrifying climbing up the... This this sheer rock of just wet, mossy, slippery shit. 
and uh probably doing like i don't know they measure everything in meters here so it's like 10 meter you know like 30 foot um cliff dives into this uh pond underneath the waterfall did a couple of those and just had had a great time met another kid here whose uh parents own uh, one of the penthouse units in the tower here and they have a couple wave runners and the, the last couple of days we've just been taking those out and ripping across the bay we did uh some snorkeling over in los arcos for any of you that are familiar with this area and man i just love wave runners man they're, they're it's like the ultimate freedom it's like having a motorcycle on the water but like none of the danger of like falling and like cracking your head open because you're, you're on water and there's no traffic and there's no you know uh, rules or really anything that you have to follow so just a lot of fun doing that and then you can beach them you know you roll up to a little secluded beach that has a couple restaurants or whatever you beach those bad boys you have a couple beers maybe some tequila um, some ceviche or shrimp or something like that and it's just been uh, perfection the last couple of days and uh, i think we're going to take them out again tomorrow and go to uh, a little town that's only accessible by water which is probably like a, a 30 uh, minute ride or so depending on how uh the uh the water conditions here but we should be able to rip down there pretty quickly if the bay has been uh as calm as it has been the last couple of days these things man these things take off I had uh, I I was doing close to sixty miles an hour on on one yesterday, just having a blast. I've been trying to keep up with the uh, the Facebooks and the Twitters and the private Facebook group and everything, and I know some, <laughs> some of the uh, uh, individuals with the cervix were giving me some shit for uh, the size of the the fish that we were spearing. I think the way that started was you know some some conservative voice or something was making fun of libertarian men for not going uh not being like tough or outdoorsy they don't do anything you know they they're just these like weird introverted uh semi-autistic people that live in their parents basement and you know keyboard warrior type people and so i commented you know yeah like i'm going spear fishing tomorrow uh, maybe some cliff diving or whatever and and then uh, I don't know somebody called my bluff and then so I shot a picture of the fish and she's making fun of the size and here I am once again defending my size to a woman man oh man <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I had to do that <laughs> um, but the the fish um that, that was actually a pretty good sized parrot fish to spear we were diving in in uh I don't know maybe about 20 feet of water so you know like uh like five meters or so um and uh it's actually it was it was fairly difficult for me um i i hadn't done a lot of diving to begin with i've been growing out a beard i haven't shaved in i don't know probably two months now so my beard's getting kind of thick and the um the face mask for the for the uh for the snorkel what wasn't really getting a seal on my face so my mask was filling up with water and shit i was having all these problems but still had a, a lot of fun and i am living proof that not all libertarian men are uh just a bunch of keyboard warrior pussies who uh don't get out of their parents basement much i've been very active the last couple of uh actually the last month or so this has been one of the more active vacations i've had out here a lot of times you know i just kind of lay by the pool you know, throw the football on the beach, whatever. But uh, 
we've been doing a lot of stuff, a lot of activities this trip, and it's been it's been a lot of fun. The um, one thing that's been sort of weighing on me, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to turn the mic on today, is because you know I'm I'm down here. And uh, thank you guys again for sort of bearing with me. I know there, there's been issues with the sound and uh, the schedule has been thrown off a few times. Like they're doing construction. They're actually supposed to start the work um, on my unit today at, at four o'clock in about a half hour or so. So I'm going to try to wrap up this portion of the podcast up pretty soon, even though, um, <laughs> you know, we're on Mexican time here. So when they say four o'clock at uh, the odds of him being here before 4.30 are not very good. But um, so there's been some construction and some noise and stuff that's prevented me from doing a podcast. And then I'm taking a week off. And uh, I, I know the schedule has been kind of weird and, and hectic. And I appreciate you guys sort of bearing with me through that. But um, next week, we should be back to normal. I think after Monday. Monday, there's not going to be an episode because I'm traveling all day. It's uh, there aren't any direct flights anymore from uh, here to Chicago or Chicago to here. It used to be, you know, you could hop on a plane and be here in like four and a half hours. But uh, with all the coronavirus stuff, they don't have any direct flights. So I got to go through Houston and it's going to be, uh, you know, it turns into a seven to eight hour ordeal of just the flights. And that doesn't include getting to and from the airport and all that stuff. So um, no episode Monday, but uh, I'll get right back on to the regular schedule and um, we're going to start doing some more stuff with the show here, especially getting into this uh, election cycle. But one of the things that's been really weighing on my mind because I've had, you know, a lot of free time the last couple of days and I like to go out and walk the beach in the morning. It's gorgeous. And, and then I hang out in the pool Every once in a while, you see there's a lot of old people that uh, retire out here, you know, expats, uh, some Canadians that, that come down and, and they stay here for a few months and, and their retirement. And, and just the whole, just our whole approach to life, like this life formula that we have in America has really been bugging me lately. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting to an age where I'm not... <laughs> I'm not old, I don't think. I mean, I'm 35, so um, I'm older than some, but younger than uh, most, I guess. And I know I have some younger listeners, so I don't know. Maybe you can, uh, maybe I can pass some advice on to you guys before you end up making some of the same uh, mistakes that I've made. But you know, I, I have a fair amount of regrets for uh, just being somebody who's 35. Man, I made you know my share of mistakes, and. Um, I've gone down paths that everybody tells you this is what you're supposed to do. And so you end up doing it. And, you know, I'm out here and, and everyone, you know, I know in Chicago is just being kind of miserable, lockdown, coronavirus, all that shit. And, uh, you know, I'm out here living my life like like nothing is going on. I'm going fishing. I'm going spear fishing. I'm hiking to waterfalls. I'm cliff diving. I'm going out at night to restaurants and bars and shooting pool and, and, and just enjoying life the way it was meant to be enjoyed. And I, I, I hate this idea 
this formula that we have, and especially in America, where it's like you go to school for most of your life, like the first 18 years or whatever, and then you go to college and you get your college degree, and then maybe you get a master's degree and you get a job and you work, your, you start at the bottom and you sort of work your way up. And every year you make a little more money than the year before and you sock some of that away and you save it and maybe you invest it. And if you do everything right over the over the course of your entire working career, you know, from like age, say, like 23 to 65, um, hopefully you've saved up enough and the markets haven't, you know, wiped out your entire uh, life savings or something like that right before retirement, like all those people in 2008 and 2009. Um, if you do all that, maybe you'll have enough money to live out your golden years and you can get your Social Security and then you can get the, you know, the unit down here in Puerto Vallarta and come to the pool when you're 75 fucking years old and you can walk up and down the pool slowly every day or walk the beach. And I mean, that's about it. It just seems so fucking backwards to me. Like, what's the point? Uh, we're wasting all of our great years, our young years where we can actually do stuff. All the stuff that I just mentioned doing and then some. Uh, we waste all that working our ass off so that hopefully someday we'll have enough money saved up so that we don't have to work anymore. And then we can finally enjoy what's left of our lives if we make it to that point. I mean, there are no guarantees, right? I mean, I could I could drop dead tomorrow. I, I could have killed myself <laughs> cliff diving, <laughs> which was a, a very real possibility. That was some really dicey shit I was doing. But I guess the the point I'm trying to make is not that you know you shouldn't plan for retirement and and whatever, but but especially in the face of this the lockdown and the coronavirus and nobody can live their lives, you know, because we might get sick or something like that. And I, I've said it many times on the show before. There's more to life than just not dying, and I, I've just made the decision that I, I'm not going to go through. The, the rest of this year or next year or however many years they're going to want us to do all this ridiculous shit wearing masks everywhere and uh you know using hand sanitizer after every interaction and all of this stuff I, i'm not going to go through life just trying to avoid uh like doing anything so that i don't get sick or something or something bad might happen to me i mean there are risks all the time. I'm not saying that, you know, we should be reckless or anything like that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't plan for your retirement. Like, okay, you know, go, work, you should definitely be working, but you don't want to be, I just don't like this idea of sacrificing the best years of your life when you, you can be having, when you can be the most active and doing the most fulfilling things for the possibility of being able to do a fraction of that later on in life and not have to work at all. So I, I don't know if that means that we have to make a lot more money and we all have to just get like super rich so that we don't have to worry about retirement and we can do whatever we want whenever we want to. I, I'm in a very uh, fortunate position right now that I have uh, flexibility in terms of where I, I earn my income from. I'm trying to get more flexible with that. I, I hate the idea of being tied down to a location for a job. 
especially you know jobs that uh, most of us aren't too fond of. A lot, a lot of us are working jobs that we don't like. And uh, we went to college because that's what we were supposed to do. And we got a degree because, you know, that's what make that's what everybody does. That's what everybody says you should do. And uh, man, I, if I could do it all over again, I would have done things very differently. And I just I just ho- really hope that college uh, just gets dumped into the dustbin of history where it fucking belongs, because the way that we educate people now is so antiquated and there's there's no advancement there's no like now they're moving everything online because of the coronavirus like you can take online classes from people that are actually doing things in the field that you want to do those things and they've they've proven it that they know how to do it they're not just teaching it you know it's like those that can do do and those who can't teach well now you can get those that do to teach you how to do what it is you want to do. And there's just so many different ways to earn extra income or have multiple streams of income so that you're not dependent on this really antiquated formula that has not produced, you know, great results in my opinion. I mean, and it's not, I mean, the results that have um, resulted from social security, which is becoming this huge, talking point now that you know the uh, Donald Trump's executive order wanted to uh, suspend the the payroll deductions which go directly in theory towards social security I've explained all that but basically the people that have been collecting social security and living out their golden years in retirement while the rest of us work they're getting out of the Ponzi scheme early we're going to be left holding the bag and we're going to get to, to 65 or whatever. There's not going to be anything left. We paid into this whole Ponzi scheme. We wasted the, the prime of our lives working for somebody else's retirement. And it's just been fucking driving me crazy the last few days. And, you know, I, I'm really going to start trying to make some some very concerted efforts to change the the way I'm going about living my life and uh, not being tied down, not being dependent on anybody else for essentially your freedom. Because, I mean, we, we all have to have an income, right? Um, it's pretty essential to have money if you want uh, for liberty to have money. The last thing I would want to do is have to be stuck in a job that I don't like, in a, a place that I don't like, because it's all it's the only option that I have working for you know paying into somebody else's ponzi scheme retirement that i'm probably never going to get to collect uh my portion of when the time comes if and when the time comes and who knows what what kind of shape i'm going to be in at 65 or, or 70 or whatever like they could raise the age to when you can collect it um they can change all all kinds of things with social security there are no guarantees there um when it comes to government the only guarantee that you get is uh, you're guaranteed that they're going to screw you six ways from Sunday. So yeah, I, I just think that the, the whole way that we go about life in America is just this whole formula is backwards. I, I would urge everybody to reconsider what it is you are doing. And, you know, maybe you've been doing it right. Maybe, you know, you're happy with uh, that, that type of lifestyle. But for me, it, it seems awfully risky to me. And even if it works out, what can you do? I, I, I'm standing in the pool, you know, I'm talking to these, these old guys, you know, during the day because there's not a lot of people 
uh, here at the pool, especially there, there are no, uh, there's almost no Americans um, anywhere. It's it's all like uh, Mexicans on vacation for the weekend or something like that. They come down here. Yeah, these, these old guys, like they're, yeah, they're enjoying their retirement, but man, at what cost? Because they can't really do much. They can walk the pool and then they can go to dinner and then, you know, they're in bed by, you know, eight or nine o'clock or something like that. Man, it, it just seems like th there's got to be a better way to um, balance things better so that you can do more of what I, I've been doing the, the last month here. Even, even if that means working later into your, your, your life, you know, when you're 65 or 70, like that, that to me, you know, if I'm stuck behind a, you know, at a desk uh, or at a computer or something like that at 65, I'd rather do that than be stuck behind a desk at 35. Like I want to be out there doing things. I want to see places. I want to do it while I'm still young enough to um, enjoy and do everything that uh, is out there that I want to do. Anyway, uh, that, that's what's sort of been on my mind the last couple of days as I've been living my best life, as they say. And I, I have been very detached from uh, just from the U.S. in general and, and politics. Like I've been trying to keep up w with the stories and everything. But at, at the same time, it's nice to unplug a little bit. Like I, I completely forgot that this was the... Uh, the week of the of the of these huge conventions which are just so bizarre to me to begin with that anybody gives a shit about these conventions it's so cult-like to me i just don't i really don't understand what the appeal is but apparently the ratings for this one uh for the democratic national convention on the first night were abysmal it was Sorry, my my buddy's out here watching uh, Game of Thrones. It was uh, we had a hurricane come through uh, yesterday, and it just, it missed us. So like it, there was all this talk of Genevieve or whatever, and then you know seventy kilometer uh, per hour winds or whatever, and then nothing happened. It like drizzled a little bit, and uh, today it's it's been kind of cloudy and rainy, and and so it's been sort of a day where we're sitting around and, and he's watching Game of Thrones. So if you heard something in the background that was, uh, I don't know, Jon Snow or something. <laughs> and uh, I just had to go tell him to turn it down. But uh, yeah, the, the whole this whole Democratic National Convention thing, their numbers were, their viewership was apparently like less than half tuned in to the convention than they did in 2016. And so yeah, it was only 5.7 million people versus da, 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 da. oh it's not going to tell me versus what less than oh, 11.6 million people who watched the first night in the last election cycle and you know i, I haven't seen too much uh, of the uh of the actual convention like i'm just not going to waste my time watching um these these videos of these pre-recorded videos but this is very bizarre to me that they're trying to have these conventions and they, they have a stage and then they just have like a, a monitor up there. And then there was like somebody on stage who would like introduce the next speaker. And then they just play this videotape that this person recorded, you know, probably a couple weeks ago. I think uh, Michelle Obama's was recorded before Biden had announced who his VP would be according to uh, a couple sources that I saw. So that's why her speech didn't mention Kamala Harris at all. 
that it had nothing about that in there. And, but um, this whole that we're we're heading down a road that just reminds me of an episode of like Black Mirror, where you know everything is just digitized. We all just like sit in our rooms and and stare at this monitor. Everything's done through the internet. We, there's no human interaction. We just kind of sit there, and uh, you know the government deposits digital currency into our wallet if we do the things that we're supposed to do. You know, if you're a good citizen and you watch the right things or you say the right things and you do all the things that a good citizen would do, then you would get you know some. Uh, some government uh, digital currency or something and it's just very bizarre to me to see everything done on a screen and pre-recorded like no wonder nobody uh tuned in to watch that i i don't know why anybody would tune in to, to watch these things anyway but without a crowd there's like no energy there uh not that joe biden had much energy behind him to begin with and the uh, the media is in sort of a, a precarious position here because it's a it, you know it's supposed to be this huge election you know this is for the fate of America we can't have four more years of Donald Trump because God knows the country can't take it but at the same time you can't have Joe Biden out there talking so they're in this weird position where they have to like try to you know, pump everybody up for this election, but also keep the the presidential uh, nominee away from the microphone and like out of the, the public eye. And, and so you have all these other people talking and it's just, it, it's very weird. Maybe that's why not a lot of people knew about this. I, I don't know if it's just, you can t chalk it up to me being out here in Mexico and sort of detached from all of the, the stuff going on in America. Or other people just forgot about it, too, because the, the media is not really making a big deal out of, out of this convention stuff because they don't want people focusing on the fact that Joe Biden is uh, is running for president and he's one of the worst candidates with probably the worst VP pick of all time. But anyway, tonight's the, the big night, so I'm sure they're going to pump that up because I, I think Obama's actually going to talk for a while and... You know, he always gives a great speech, so that, that'll be a big deal. But all of this stuff being done, like the way, do people really want to live their lives like this? Like all of these sports are being played now without crowds. They're playing basketball games without crowds. They're, they're drawing in. Like at baseball games, you can apparently buy like a, a cutout of yourself for your season ticket holder seat and, and put a picture of yourself in there. Like. This is all just so fucking bizarre, man. It is out of a sci-fi movie, and it just keeps getting weirder and weirder. And, and just more, it just seems more detached from reality. And I just, I don't know, I don't know uh, really what else to say about it, except that I don't like it. And, and I can't, I just don't understand why so many people are willing to accept their, like this for however long they decide to do it. Like when are when are these people going to stop wearing their masks, for instance? Like when 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 somebody on the TV tells you, okay, now you don't have to wear your mask anymore. Or are we just going to wear these masks wherever we go for the rest of our lives? Like I've had the same fucking mask down here in Mexico, just because it's a requirement to get into certain places. It is probably the most fucking dirty, disgusting thing I could imagine. 
I don't want I don't want to put it on. I'd rather get coronavirus than keep putting this thing on my face. It's been everywhere. It's been through airports. It's been on airplanes. It's been in my pocket, you know, all night long with my wallet or my phone. Uh, you know, it's been to bars. It's been to beaches. It's been on every single canopy here at the pool. It's been everywhere. And uh, they wonder why, like, these uh, places with masks are still having outbreaks because the, this is not the way you're supposed to wear masks. It, it's all just so ridiculous to me. But anyway, all, all of this stuff being done virtually really creeps me out. And I, I just don't want to do it anymore. And, and I hope that more people are going to come around to, to seeing things my way. Because trying to, like I haven't watched a sport all year. Like I, I just don't even follow it. I'm not even going to attempt to follow it. I don't know if maybe when I get back I'll start watching some football or something. But it, it just it's so weird. Just like it, it seems like everything is like uh, it's like you're watching a practice or something like a pickup game, and, and nothing is real. And and there, there's like nothing at stake. And I I don't know. It's it just um, I I really don't like where we're headed um because uh because of our reaction to this coronavirus which again you know keep looking at the numbers i know there's all these headlines out there every day they can find a place that's had a spike in cases whatever that you know whatever they consider a case to be um i, I don't think that's even been clearly defined but yeah you can find a place that had like ooh, ten thousand new cases in florida today or like texas sees a, a spike in cases uh, okay, we're clearly being manipulated here and propagandized. And I don't know how much longer it's going to take the rest of the world to catch up to this. But you know, the media is the enemy of the people. And most Americans tune in to the mainstream media, corporate press, every night. You know, even you know, Fox News, MSNBC, whatever it is. They're they're propaganda they're propaganda machines. They are arms. They are communication wings for the federal government, and they are clearly trying to manipulate us. We're starting to see some really creepy things going on around the world, uh, especially over in Australia with their really authoritarian lockdowns. I just saw footage today. This was on Twitter. I think it was in somewhere in England where the cops were using like um, drones with like military you know like thermal technology to fly around and look for houses that had more uh, than the, the allowed number of people in them that weren't socially distancing and then they were sending in the cops to break it up you know like if you were having a house party or something um, they were using drones to to fly around and and spy on people to see if they had too many people in their house. And if they weren't social distancing, then the cops come in, break everything up, and I don't know what happens after that. But we're headed down a, a really weird dystopian path here, and it's freaking me out a little bit. I, that's why I think it's very important that uh, we can be mobile. We can be mobile and um, independent. You know, we, we, you don't want to be dependent on a government for anything ever. Uh, you don't want to be dependent on other other people or other you know a, a company or anything like that. It seems riskier to be dependent completely on yourself. But when you're when you're in control, if you take control of 
of your life and you, you figure out getting a, getting a couple different ways of, of earning an income that, that can keep you afloat if you know your business has to, the business you work for gets closed down for the coronavirus or wh- whatever else comes down the path you know now that there's a precedent for shutting down businesses and, and not allowing them to operate because they weren't deemed essential who knows whose job is going to be safe and whose isn't so uh, ha- having you know a, a backup plan, you know a second source of, of income or something like that, I think is going to be truly essential to uh, your your liberty and being able to get out of dodge when if and when things get really bad uh, wherever you are in America. Because man, this is getting to be very bizarre to me. So I guess that's a very long-winded way. Um, and sort of rambling and roundabout, sorry, because I'm just sort of up in, up in my head today, but a, a very long roundabout way of saying, live your life, okay? And don't, don't let anybody stop you from doing the things that you want to do. And, and don't let people tell you that there's some sort of magical formula for how you're supposed to do things. Um, figure that out for yourself. And, and you know, because we take advice from people oftentimes who, uh, you know, it maybe it worked for them 50 years ago, but things are changing. The economy is changing. We are going to have a whole new economic system once this whole coronavirus thing blows over, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But uh, we're, we're entering into like a new, more digitized age, which, as I mentioned, kind of freaks me out. But um, that, that, that's going to mean a lot of changes for the economy and, and how people can um, operate within it and the, the type of lifestyle you can live. So, uh, you know, the, the formulas from your, your parents, or your grandparents, where you, you, know, you, you go into the, the factory every day and you punch a clock and you, you, get your, uh, you get your pension or you get your Social Security and your gold watch after 35 years at the same company. That stuff is going away. Okay, they're gonna try to keep these these unions afloat, especially if the Democrats gain more and more power. But th- these things are are, are like uh, they're an albatross around our neck. Like these unions, they're they're bleeding these companies dry. They're destroying viable businesses, and uh, eventually, th- this antiquated way of doing things is going to give way to the you know the creative destruction process of capitalism and and something a a new economy is going to emerge out of that and if you're not adaptable if you're not ready to change with the with the times and make sure that you are um, preparing yourself and for the for the new type of economy that's coming down the pike you're going to be you know in a world of hurt here so you know live your life don't necessarily follow old formulas that probably don't apply to the, uh, oh God, as much as I hate to say, the new normal. I'm not going to say new normal, but the new uh, economy and the new way of life that is going to come out of this. And, and I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like, but I know it's going to be very different from uh, the, you know, the, the days of yesteryear. That, that all these advisors are telling kids how to go about navigating the world today. Those rules don't apply anymore. And more and more people, I think, are catching on to this. 
and with all these student loan problems and, and the debt that people are going into and accumulating throughout their lives, eventually em- employers will catch on to this as well and will stop valuing these worthless college degrees. There's just going to be a whole new way of doing things. So we, we knew that this was going to happen eventually. I think this whole epidemic of coronavirus and, and craziness is sort of just uh, might just be bringing it about a little faster than it would have already happened but you know the the uh more more things are going to be automated and that's not necessarily a bad thing that's just freeing up people to do other jobs or you know human capital is is a is a resource it's a limited resource and the more things that we can automate the better off we will all be but if your job or your livelihood is dependent on a job that can be automated, you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt if you're not preparing for the day where that job goes by the wayside. So anyway, we're going to go through some of the my thoughts on the DNC stuff here in a minute. But first, let's just take a second and thank our favorite sponsor of the Peddling Fiction podcast. And that, of course, is Lorenzotti Coffee. That's Lorenzotti, L-O-R-E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I dot coffee. And if you go there and use the promo code FICTION, you will get 10% off your order. And they'll ship you some premium Italian coffee right to your door. If you order enough of it, if you order at least, I think, two tins, you'll get free shipping. So you'd be crazy not to order two tins of their premium Italian coffee, have it shipped right to your door, or have them ship you uh, some professional coffee brewing equipment if you're an aficionado, or if you have a coffee shop or something like that, and you need some uh, an espresso machine, they can provide that equipment for you as well. That's lorenzati.coffee, promo code FICTION. All right, so uh, we're back at it. It is now Friday, actually, for anybody trying to keep track of the days. This is sort of a two-part podcast that I decided for some retarded reason to combine into one and release at one time, I guess because I didn't want to have to edit two separate podcasts, and I haven't had a lot of time over the last couple of days to um, sort of you know put the final touches on an episode, so... Um, I waited for the convention, the the DNC, the big uh, finale or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I, I watched some of, uh, uh, you know, bits and pieces of, of Biden. So Biden gave a 25-minute speech. I didn't think he had it in him. It was not nearly as terrible, it, just in terms of um, delivering a speech as I thought it was going to be. I didn't think he had a two-minute speech in him, let alone a 25-minute speech. So I don't know what sort of drugs they pumped him up with or what, or, or if they were using that, uh, whatever that technology is where it looks like um, somebody's speaking, but it's actually somebody else speaking over them or whatever. I don't know. But he got through a 25-minute speech. It was basically Democratic talking points and cliches and, uh, you know, uh, political platitudes over and over again. And and Kamala Harris had a speech as well. It, it is still really weird watching them do this stuff. They're, they're giving speeches in front of no crowd. And then they're sort of like... Kamala Harris, they, they had this really awkward ending where they like went to uh, a Zoom call that had like 30 people in it, but they couldn't get enough people for the Zoom call apparently, so they were duplicating uh, people uh, on, the, on the screen. 
so there's like only like 20 or like 20 25 people or whatever and then a couple were were duplicated to make it look like there were actually more people involved in this and then they're just clapping at the end it was so fucking bizarre man she gives a speech and I'm sure it was cancer. I didn't watch the whole thing. Normally, I watch these um, political debates and speeches and things for you guys so that you don't have to. I, I just can't bring myself to waste my vacation time to do that. So I do sort of apologize for that. But I did spend, uh, you know, a couple hours today going through the the, the coverage of it and, uh, and, and watching some of the videos just so I knew, you know, I got the general gist of it, and I don't think it's going to be pertinent to my talking points to have uh, watched everything. Like, I, I, I'm not surprised there's no enthusiasm for either of these candidates, the vice president or the, the president uh, uh, presidential nomination for the DNC. I mean, Joe Biden has never had a, a big following or anything. This is just a, a, an establishment pick. And an establishment VP pick. This is like what the party wants to have happen. And people are not excited about it. So it doesn't surprise me that they had to pipe in a couple fake or a couple duplicate people into the Zoom call to make it look like uh, there were some people that are into this. But it was just so weird. She like wraps up the speech and then they just cut to uh, there's, there's like an awkward pregnant pause and then they cut to the zoom call where there's people just clapping like fucking seals <laughs> for like a, a minute it, it was just so fucking bizarre i i can't get over uh that this is the the way we're gonna go through life now these conventions are were already really bizarre to me i, I think i probably already mentioned that the, the other day, but just the idea of all these people getting together and rallying around these politicians that think they're going to change their lives. And as far as Joe Biden's speech goes, like I like I said, I didn't listen to the whole 25 minute thing. I sort of skipped around and, and just uh, got to the, the, the main uh, talk. Like there are a couple of things that he mentioned that I just it just drive me crazy. But I mean, they were he just ran down the uh, the political platitude, Democratic talking points kind of thing. But he referenced FDR and the New Deal. And this just drives me fucking crazy. And it should drive every millennial and anybody under the age of, say, 35, maybe even 40, absolutely crazy. Because all of the problems that we face in terms of um, unfunded liabilities and just things that we can't pay for, things that we can't afford, the vast majority of our, you know, I think we're spending $6 trillion this year or something like that. The vast majority of our budget is dedicated to all of the fucking horrible, disastrous plans that FDR put into place. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. This whole New Deal thing this is a raw deal. This is a raw deal for everybody under my age. Uh, and anybody 35 and younger, we are going to get so bent over by this new deal we are the bag holders of a ponzi scheme yeah he's, he's, he talked about social security he's he he gave us his word joe biden his word and his word is as good as a you know oak or whatever solid as oak that uh he's going to preserve social security and medicare and medicaid and uh you can't you can't first of all um he, he said these are uh, sacred obligations or sacred something or other you know like 
they call them entitlements. These are not, you are entitled to nothing. Okay. Social security, they can change the benefits that they pay out anytime they want. That's why they tie, they, they tie it to inflation, to the CPI. And that's another reason why they'd like to understate inflation is so that they don't have to pay out higher and higher, um, social security benefits. But there's no guarantee for social security. It, it, it's not a sacred, it's nothing. It, it's a political, you know, third rail because everybody's been told this whole life formula. You work your whole life, you claw and scratch your way from the bottom rung of the economic ladder to the top rung and you scrimp and you save for your retirement. And then when you hit 65, you get this all this money that you paid into the system, allegedly, all this social security money, then, then you get to live out your golden years. That, that whole formula that I just spent like 30 minutes ripping on for being totally retarded and backwards it's not guaranteed none of that is guaranteed okay they can change they can change up the the amount of uh the percentage that you get the payments that you get the the dollar amount they could tie it to anything they can do away with it all all together uh not like anybody has the political will to do that but it could happen it you're you are not entitled to any of this these are all just deals that they strike and they can strike them down the other day i talked about executive orders there could be a president that just does away with social security via executive order apparently that's okay now um so these are not sacred or guarantees of any kind they are um going to be a disastrous deal and every single problem we face from a budgetary standpoint these things are a third of the budget, half the budget is dedicated to Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, and then the rest of it is just to the military-industrial complex. The rest of it, you know, welfare and, and all, all these little uh, transfer payments the government does, that's a tiny fraction of what we're spending. You know, I see all these these boomer posts on, on Facebook and things like that talking about, well, this isn't an, an entitlement. I paid into this system and, and I deserve everything I get. Look, people take so much more out of Social Security than they actually pay into, especially um, in, in the early year. The, the, the very first recipient, her name was like Ida May Fuller, I believe. She paid in like practically nothing, five bucks or something like that, and took out $25,000 in benefits. So from the very beginning, that this has been a, a, like a losing formula. Like people have been taking out more than they've been putting in all, uh, since day one. And this, like I said, I mean, I know I've gone over Social Security and how it works uh, numerous times on this show, but none of this, uh, the money, you know, he was attacking, Biden was attacking the, the payroll tax um, moratorium or whatever you want to call it from Trump's executive order, that they're not going to take your uh, Social Security or Medicare uh, taxes out of your paycheck for for the rest of the year, and 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 that's going to put Social Security in jeopardy or something like as as if it was totally perfectly sound to begin with. But none of that money goes towards Social Security. They spend it right away. They spend it on everything immediately, and they write IOUs for Social Security. It just it just drives me crazy that FDR has this legacy of being so great when he created the three biggest fucking Ponzi scheme problems that we have. Yeah, sure, they work out, but the Ponzi scheme always works out for the people that, that get out of it before it collapses. But um, the, the three biggest problems we face, FDR fucking caused. And I hate the fact 
that he gets credit for like getting us out of the Great Depression and then starting all of these wonderful things, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. These are all disastrous things that are bankrupting the nation, that are giving people, uh, especially younger people, a sense of entitlement. There's, there's no sense of um, individual responsibility anymore. Everybody thinks that the world owes them a living and that the government exists to provide us with stuff. And it, it's it's so toxic and it's permeating through society. It, it's really eating away at, at the, the core of the country. And Joe Biden talks about restoring the soul of the nation. Listen, the soul of the nation was rugged individualism, was you know responsibility, personal responsibility, self-reliance, limited government. Not this nanny state that provides you with things cradle to grave. So it just, it just really bothers me that the, the history on FDR and the New Deal and the Great Depression, it's all a bunch of bullshit. And, uh, you know, Murray Rothbard had a great book, uh, you know, on the Great Depression. There, there's been some other really good, uh, um, literature on that as well. I'm drawing a blank on some of the other titles, but. Maybe they'll come to me later, but you know, a New Deal or Raw Deal—I uh, forget the author's name. That—that's that, another good one. People know this, but the vast majority of the American public have been brainwashed into thinking that FDR is this like Messiah that did all these great things, and he is literally responsible for every the the, the biggest problems that we face today from an economic standpoint, and it's what he is going to be responsible for bankrupting the nation. And he knew it from, from day one. He knew that this was going to be uh, politically impossible to deal with. Once he stacked the courts and they got Social Security passed, um, he, he knew that it would never be touched. Nobody has the political will to deal with it, to, to say that we're, we're going to cut you off from this benefit. And that's the problem with all of these government programs. Once you are providing something to somebody, nobody is ever going to take it away. They just get bigger and bigger until they just collapse. They implode on themselves. Um, they'll, they'll never get rid of Social Security. They'll just keep writing out the nominal checks. It's just that the checks aren't going to buy anything because they've destroyed the value of the dollar. But anyway, uh, that's that was my main takeaway from Joe Biden's speech. I was shocked that he actually got through it. Um, if that was, in fact, actually him and not some uh, robot or some computer program delivering that speech. It wasn't nearly as disastrous as I thought it was going to be. It was just boring and um, just very vanilla and predictable. And I, I don't know. I, I'm not surprised nobody else watched this. Um, I, you guys, if you didn't watch it, you didn't miss much. Just some some really bad revisionist history and some uh, political platitudes and talking points that we've all heard a million times. You know, he's going to make the rich pay their fair share. Nobody wants to define what a fair share is, of course, as, as if the rich can just uh, pay for an extra uh, doubling of the size of government. Like, we are spending $6 trillion this year. That's $3 trillion more, like $2 trillion more than uh, the most expensive year we've ever had. We're, we're coming up on $27 trillion in the national debt. I mean, by the time the next president's term is over, we're going to be at like 40 trillion in bonded debt. And that is just ridiculous and unsustainable. But every president doubles the national debt from the president before. 
if they if they last two terms. So every two terms of a president, the national debt basically doubles, which means that we, we we're on track for forty trillion, and, and it shouldn't be that hard to get there. But yeah, anyway, these uh these remote um, speeches are, are I guess it's nice that they you know they don't have those applause. Like I said they had that really awkward. They tried to force in an applause for Kamala Harris's speech. But it's nice to have them deliver a speech where, like, every two seconds you're not pausing for people to clap and cheer and shit like that, like with uh, State of the Union and things like that. So that is one benefit to this whole weird remote video world that we're living in right now. And then I saw that, you know, the other day that AOC's speech, she only got 60 seconds. And at the end of it, she um, she nominated uh, Bernie Sanders. For president, and it was some sort of procedural thing. Like, I, I, listen, I don't really get into the weeds with all this political procedure nonsense. It, it was weird. Okay, it was very weird to see her give a speech, not talk about Biden at all, uh, just you know, talk for thirty or forty-five seconds, and then say, "That's why I'm nominating Bernie Sanders for president." And then she took exception with um, some of the news coverage of that. I guess the headline on, I, I forget the news agency, if it was NBC or whatever, she just went ham on them on Twitter for uh, misrepresenting her her speech or whatever with the headline because the headline was like, AOC only gets a minute and endorses Sanders. And apparently she notified them ahead of time that uh, she was going to be endorsing Sanders as a procedural thing and... I don't know. It's pretty funny though that she has uh, she went on a tirade against the the news for a bad headline, for misrepresenting the story, for confusing people, deliberately misleading the public. She's starting to sound a lot like Donald Trump. It, it was pretty funny. She basically called him fake news for like three days, and then they they came out with some sort of retraction where they're like, oh, uh, by the way, like this was just a procedural thing, and AOC's speech was very similar in length to other people's uh, speeches, which, I, I don't know, Joe Biden did 25 minutes. I forget how long uh, Kamala Harris's was, but uh, 60 seconds is short. I can't even get an ad read out in 60 seconds. So um, it, it did seem... Like the establishment did not want those types of people speaking for very long. I forget how long Bernie Sanders actually got to speak, but I, I was looking at you know the the lineup of, of uh, people that were speaking at this convention, and you know it really was just a fucking swamp fest. It was all of these like old neocon establishment voices, Colin Powell. Uh, you know, John Kerry, they're all the, the establishment rallies around itself. And this is something that should become very apparent and obvious to, to more people, but it just doesn't for some reason. I mean, they're gathering all of the troops from both sides. Like, it doesn't matter if they were Republican or if they were Democrat, as long as they were, you know, uh, walking that establishment line, towing that line, they were part of the swamp. You're invited to the party to, to get rid of Donald Trump. And, you know, they're gathering all the troops from both sides of the supposed political spectrum to try and, and dethrone Trump. Because even though he hasn't, you know, Trump talked about draining the swamp and all that, even though he hasn't done that at all, he's still an outsider, apparently. Or at least, you know, he's like a loose cannon that they can't control. Republicans and Democrats, they don't care who's in power 
as long as it's one of them, okay, as long as it's Democrats and Republicans and nobody else involved, definitely not a third party, it, it doesn't matter to them. As long as it's somebody who's going to play ball and it's between those two parties, that's the system that they like. Somebody who will continue the charade, who will perpetuate the terrible policies that have gotten us to where we are today, you know, in the name of FDR and the New Deal and all that shit. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's nice when your party has control. But really, what they don't want is anyone from the outside throwing a wrench in the works. And God forbid, you know, the third you know, uh, leg of the stool, the Libertarian Party or something like that. God forbid there should be one of those. And that's part of the reason why I, I also I've been thinking about you know, how, how it, it seems like the, the Democrats are trying to throw this election by having by forcing Biden down everybody's throat and then having him um, nominate Kamala Harris, which I just think is the worst possible pick. They, they love they. So when the party's not in power, they just get to raise a shit ton of money by pointing to the enemy. You know, pointing to Donald Trump, they the Democrats are raising a ton of money having him as the enemy. So they might want to keep that going. And that's basically how the two party system works. Like when the other party is in power, you get to raise a lot of money talking about how, oh, they're ruining the country. They're doing this. They're doing that. They're, you know, if you're a Democrat, it's like they don't care about LGBT rights and, uh, you know, unions and teachers and all that stuff. And if you're a Republican, it's like, oh, the Democrats, they're going to come for your guns and they're going to, you know, take away your liberties and your freedoms. And they get to fundraise off of that while the other party who's in power gets to actually collect on all the power. That's when the checks start coming in from the corporations and the lobbyists and things like that. And then they just flip flop back and forth. So when you're out of power, you fundraise. And when you're in power, you you collect uh, on the power that's they love this system so it doesn't matter to them who's actually in charge as long as it's one of the two and they get to just keep playing this game back and forth back and forth back and forth they don't care and it's not you know it's not like donald trump has really done anything different in terms of policy that uh, hillary clinton would have done or something like that you know maybe slight differences here and there but Overall, the majority, like the major policy decisions are are pretty much the same. He's just this unpredictable, loose cannon that's difficult to control. And so they don't like it. So out out comes all of the, you know, the neocon establishment people, the swamp creatures to carry water for Joe Biden. It was uh, really something. uh, It's very revealing, if you ask me. When Biden talks about reclaiming the soul of America, that's his big thing. You know, that was his first ad and he, you know, that's like his um, slogan or whatever. Uh, What he really means is he's reclaiming control of the government, reclaim the establishment, right? They want to reclaim the mainstream politicians control over everything so that they can conduct, you know, the same wars that they want to and the disastrous foreign policy so they can go back to business as usual lining their pockets and try to keep the the wool pulled over the eyes of the American people so they can slide back behind this curtain that this whole Trump moment has pulled back. They want to bring that curtain back and hide behind it. Trump, I don't even think it was deliberate, but he managed to uh, pull that curtain 
from you know uh the wizard of oz right and you get to see the man behind the curtain that's what they want to undo and unfortunately i don't think we've red pilled enough americans over the last few years the people like don't seem to notice that the curtain has been opened and that you know they're 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 just dug in deeper into their corners they're burying their heads in the sand they still believe in this ridiculous fantasy of the state so they'll hold their noses and they'll vote for biden or they'll hold their noses and they'll vote for trump because not that you know they support one or the other just that one is less bad than the other and it's very depressing to me it's almost it almost seems hopeless that after all the nonsense of the last four years and all the lies and the propaganda that's been exposed and the blatant contradictions and just utter pantsing of the government like right before our eyes that that more people aren't waking up to this the whole country basically got to see that the emperor has no clothes and the vast majority of people are still pretending that he's not naked They're, they're still pretending that this idea of government the lies we tell ourselves about how it works and what they can do and what they can't do and how they can do it and the fantasy that they can solve all of our problems. It's all been exposed. It's all been exposed for the bullshit that it is and that it always has been. And everyone is still walking around pretending, telling themselves the lies over and over again, trying to convince themselves that this system that we've come up with, that they've been conditioned to believe in, to worship, is fully functional, is the best system ever devised by man, and is the only way of organizing society. And you can't question it. To question it is treasonous. It's heresy. It's like, man, if after all of this, this whole bizarre election cycle, where you look back at all the COVID crap, and the government's disastrous response to it all, the abuse that people have suffered at the hands of government, and when the tax bill for all of this spending comes due, you're looking at your two choices, and you have Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and you're still not questioning anything. You just think that, oh, we just need to vote in new people, or we got to vote harder, or it's very important to vote. You're still looking at government to solve your problems and provide you with security. You really are an NPC at that point, a a non-playing character, a zombified lemming that's just going through life being told what to do and what to think. And that's very depressing to me. And every day, I'm just overwhelmed at the sheer magnitude of people that need to be basically unplugged from the matrix. I've certainly got my work cut out for me with this show, that's for sure, because my goal is to unplug as many people as possible and to show them the, you know, to remove this facade that we have, this veneer that that covers our government and show them what it's really all about. And I was hoping that, you know, this whole Trump moment would do that for more people. I, I certainly think some people ha- have um, have awoken, have have been unplugged, but not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. It seems like more and more people are just getting dug into their political corners. So it's it's going to be an uphill battle. That is for sure. The battle for you know liberty is has never been an easy one throughout history. Luckily, I get to do it through a microphone and not through the uh, the end of a barrel. At least not yet. So. Um, 
do me a favor, you know, you guys share the show, share this podcast with a couple of people that you think need to hear it and a couple of people who you think would enjoy it. Let's start to spread the message of liberty right now because now is more important than ever before. I mean, we are literally on the brink of disaster and the government's reaction to it can and will put the final nail in the coffin of America. It's election season. There's going to be a lot of people who's who only come out, you know, for two months every four years because the presidency. Right. And we need to reach those people. We need to we need to get a hold of them now and try to win the hearts and minds of all these um, people that can still be influenced, that haven't lost um, total autonomy or something like that, that aren't the NPCs. Or maybe they're the NPCs and we can reprogram them. If I can get, just get them to do, you know, to NPC for liberty, that would be great. But to NPC for uh, the political establishment, to get behind one of these two candidates is just unbelievable to me. So this is a very important time of the year, the next couple of months. I'm going to need your help to uh, to, to uh, spread the message. So yeah, share the show. Go to um, peddlingfictionpodcast.com and you can uh, become a supporting listener of the show from there. And follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. I'm also on uh, Instagram. And if you can do all that for me, I will be back uh, sometime next week. Like I said, my schedule is a little off, but it'll probably be like Tuesday or so next week with a new episode for you. And we can start using this podcast to drain the swamp that Donald Trump refuses to drain. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction.